Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, Peter says, you start with your faith and you add goodness, and then to the goodness, you add knowledge. Isn't it interesting Peter said, before you add the knowledge, make sure you add the moral excellence. And hopefully you, you do a self-test on yourself. Am I, in my faith, is my moral excellence increasing? My goodness. And if you don't know, ask yourself, could I be a model of my moral excellence to the next generation? Like if they were watching everything I do from morning to night, is there anything in the day I'd have to say, um... Kids, turn your head. You might not want to see this part, okay? Or maybe you wouldn't want to copy me in, the, in this one area. It, it's not quite morally excellent. If you had any area comes to mind that you wouldn't show to a child, then you're not, that's an area that you need to improve. Paul, he wrote this. He said, be an imitator of me as I'm an imitator of Jesus. Now, he wasn't trying to make everyone's eyes go to him. He was just saying, I can show you. Do as I say, but not as I do. Does that work? No. If you don't live it and you tell them to live it, they're going to look at you and say, you hypocrite. Well, we don't want to be like that. We want to be, for our moral excellence, all we have to do is test ourselves. Everything that I'm doing, can I do it in front of a little kid and model it? Can I demonstrate my faith and my moral excellence and my knowledge? Can I demonstrate all these things in front of them so they could imitate us as we imitate the Lord. Because that's what we're supposed to, that's what we're trying to do, guys. We're trying to grow, but not just, it's, whether you realize it or not, your faith is not just about you. Your faith has an impact on the next generation. They're looking at us, aren't they? They're always looking, seeing what we do. And they'll remember more our example than our words, especially if our words don't line up with our example. So we're going to go from the moral excellence that we add to our faith to the, to the knowledge. He's not talking about knowledge like going to university mathematical knowledge he's talking about what solomon wrote about if you turn me to the book of proverbs proverbs chapter one now he says the beginning of all knowledge true knowledge this, we're talking about the knowledge of, of the lord it's in verse seven it's called the fear of the lord the fear the, and and by the way in this old king james word it means the reverent awe the acknowledgement of he is great the psalmist declared, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is awesome. He is fearful. He is wonderful. But guys, we shouldn't just treat him flippantly like he's a nobody, like he's a know-nothing, like my kids want to treat me sometimes when they think, God doesn't know anything. I can get away with anything. They won't ever know. When we fear the Lord, when we acknowledge him, when we have reverent awe toward him, that's really where the beginning of all knowledge takes place. But see, if you don't want to acknowledge the Lord, have reverence towards the Lord, well, the next line of Proverbs 1, 7 says, fools despise wisdom. They despise instruction. They don't receive it. Now, uh, if you take a wise person and you give him, you tell him these, these words of wisdom, these Proverbs, it says he will increase in them. You tell a man of understanding these Proverbs and he will acquire wise counsel. He'll become even more wise. But you tell a fool a wise saying, they just laugh at you. They mock you. It says the fool mocks. Wise sayings are for us to acquire more wise counsel. 
to, to put on our head like that wreath, to put around our neck, put the wise saying right here and treasure it by our heart. You know, and he says, you, you take these sayings, the things what your, what your father has given you as instruction and don't forsake your mother's teaching, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornament around your neck. Keep those things with you. The, the next thing after adding knowledge was self-control. Other thing, but you know what? There's not a lot of verses in the Bible about self-control. Do you know that? And it shows up seven times. That's it, seven. So in Corinthians, when Paul is writing to them, he says, when you're married, don't spend a lot of time away from your spouse, he says. Only if it's for prayer, a purpose of prayer and fasting. Otherwise, he says, you might get tempted for lack of self-control. So instead, as soon as you come back together, he says, you guys satisfy each other so that you won't have that temptation. But he was a practical guy. He was, he was telling them, you know, guys, this is part of our, our faith is that we, we don't have to be stupid about this self-control stuff. We got to factor in we're human flesh. But he says, if you can receive it, it's even better to not marry. Ah, but he gives another verse about self-control. But it's better to marry than to burn in your lust. So if you lack self-control, get married. Be satisfied with the wife of your youth. And, and who's in control of you? Only you get to choose to be in control of self-control. And it's something our society doesn't like to be told. How about in the spiritual realm? Does this have any... Remember, everything that happens down here in the physical realm is only a shadow of greater spiritual principles. So self-control, just of my heart rate down here swimming, that's pretty good. But how about self-control in the spiritual realm of my life when I'm in situations that there are things that could get me riled? When I try to tell people spiritually they need to relax, they need to calm down, they need to not let the, whatever it is that's going on, you know, rile them and, and, and get them disturbed in their spirit. Because some Christians are very disturbed inside. They're just wrestling with all of this turmoil, all of this stuff that's going on. And I'm like, I can't control you. See, you have to add to your faith goodness, and you have to add to your goodness knowledge, and you have to add to your knowledge. You have to add self-control. I don't get to. If I, if I had a way, let me tell you, and I found out there was a secret button. Maybe it was hiding on each believer. All I had to do was walk up to their shoulder and just dial it. And all of a sudden they were, like I just took them from panicky, stressy, bad energy to down to self-control, calm. Man, I'd be running around just laying hands on a whole bunch of Christians because there's some of the really whacked out ones. They need some serious, you know, they need a dial turned from, they're not even at zero on self-control. They're at minus 10. We got to get them back to pass the normal zero back up towards positive 10 on the dial. We got to readjust. And, and guys, I can't, I can't do it for other Christians. I wish I could. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew someone who's struggling with something and they, they just, have you ever tried to help someone who's got a struggle in an area and they have no self-control in that area and you're trying to coach them to, you, can you really make that? Maybe they're struggling with drinking. You can turn your own self-control now. You actually have a choice. This is something that the new, this whole new generation needs to be told. Did you know you have a choice? And some kids are like, I can't help it if I flip out. I just have a short fuse. I just came with this kind of fuse. I'm just short-tempered person. I go off the handle easy. I'm like, well, I got news for you. You're allowed to add extra fuse. You're allowed to calm down. You're allowed to, we can work on this. But you have to be the one adding I can't add it. If I could, I'd just walk up and start adding extra fuse to these short fuse people. Here, have a piece of fuse. 
I'm gonna give you a mile worth. You need some extra. I would slow them down on that on that explosive temper they have. But I can't do it for you. You have to. And when it comes to self control, it's one of those things that the Bible says we need this. We we do need self control. A lot. And and there's so many applications in all different areas of our life. Self control comes in really handy. To say, yeah, I have faith. Isn't that good enough? No, because faith without moral excellence is well, a hypocrite. And faith without, say you have goodness in your life, moral excellence. And you're, you're one of those people who really walks morally excellent. And you've added knowledge to your faith. But you don't add self-control. What, what do other people think of you when you have no self-control in the spirit? When they watch you doing things, what do they really think of you? You know, say, you, I'm a Christian. I don't think morally excellent, but I just don't have any self-control. Is there any problem that will arise? Yeah, it does. It wrecks your testimony. Self-control is, is important for us to, to add to this, this faith. Now, how do we explain to the next generation what persevering is? How to persevere? Well, what is it? First of all, what would you tell a young person perseverance means? Yeah, stick to it. Don't give up. Keep trying. It's that attitude that just says, we're not done. This is a characteristic in the Bible that says, a quality that you that we need as Christians to be able to persevere when things get bad. Uh, you know, are we going to be able to hang in there? And Peter says, add this to your growing faith, add and your growing goodness and your growing knowledge and your growing self-control. Now you need to add perseverance. You need it, and you need it to be growing. Because, well, let me read you something Jesus tells us in the Gospels. When Jesus was on earth, he, he told his disciples a parable about praying. And, you know, even when it comes to praying, some people, like, I prayed about it once. I didn't get an answer, so I quit. I said, wait a minute. That's not how Jesus said to pray. When, okay, let me show you this. This is in Luke chapter 18. It says, now Jesus was telling them parables to show them that they should pray at all times and they should not lose heart. Okay, don't give up. And so he said to them, here's a parable. In a certain city, a judge said who did not fear God and he did not respect men. Okay. And there was a widow in that same city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while it says he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God and nor do I respect man, he said, yet because this widow bothers me, now, Matthew's gospel says she just pestered him. She just kept coming back and back and back. She didn't give up. Now, Jesus said, and listen to this. He said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. And he says, now, shall God not bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? He says, I tell you, he will bring, he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus says, listen, um, if an unrighteous judge will hear your, the plea of this woman and give a favorable answer, what do you think God will do if you would cry out to him? Will God answer? How many of you prayed for something and the Lord's heard your prayer? And you know, boy, God heard my prayer, came through on that one, saved my bacon over that on that one, or he, he rescued me here or did this miracle there. And We've seen God do all sorts of things throughout the course of our lives. But we forget. 
So Jesus says, don't, don't lose heart when you pray. Have some persistence. I mean, that's an important characteristic that we need for our faith, that we don't just give up and go, yeah, I prayed about it once. It didn't work. Now, I, I know there are some people that are teaching just to pray once and believe, and you will receive what you prayed for, and if you pray again, it shows a lack of faith. I said, but that doesn't fit the things what Jesus taught. Who do you go with when you make up your your theology about God? you go with what Jesus said or what some guy is running around touting today? I, I always go back to the Lord himself. He's He's the one who knows how to. If, if he says, I'm supposed to pray about something and don't lose heart, just keep praying about it. If an unrighteous judge gives a good answer, how much more will our heavenly father, who's the righteous judge, given it? I'm going, I'm going with what he said. So, does that mean we're allowed to pester the Lord about something? Yes. In fact, I, honestly, I think it's probably the thing we do the least is we'll pester other people. Uh, I know people will pester the pastor. And if they're raised like I was in an Italian Roman Catholic faith, we were taught, go to the priest and, and, and tell him, and then he'll pray. Like, he has special connections. And if you, depending on the prayer, we were taught other there's other saints that you could pray to that could, they could, like if it was for travel mercies, we, we were told pray to St. Christopher because he like handles all the traveling petitions, you know, it's his job. And if you, if you needed like the girls that wanted to have the young moms that wanted to have a baby, they would pray was uh, St. Maria Goretti or, or St. Mary, that they would be blessed with a baby. And they'd say, I'm like, wait a minute, it says in here, you're supposed to talk to the, to the righteous judge. St. Maria Goretti never says she was the judge. St. Christopher didn't say he was. Here, Jesus says, we just need to be persistent. But I find it interesting he ends with this line. I tell you, God will bring about justice for those that call on him speedily. But however, he says, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? Wait a minute, we're talking about having a living faith, a growing faith, adding to our faith. And he says, I wonder if there'll even be faith when I get back. It, it does take faith to go to God and ask him and to ask him over and over and over. And have you ever been praying for something and you didn't get an answer right away and it kind of started to make you question your faith? How, well, I guess, I don't know. You know what? Just be like that widow. Just keep pestering them. Just be persevering and keep pestering. You may not get the answer you want. Okay, let me tell you that. that remember, I told you I pray, God, heal me of my asthma or I did say or move me. And, and what did he do? Move me. Now, guys, the next thing he said to add to your perseverance was that thing we, we saw there was a branch inside of the purse and there was a nest, a bird's nest in it. There's actually two of them. One had a throne, the throne of God, and the other one had this guy who was the usher, the really kind guy, Brother Lee, that was very kind. And he was in a nest. And what word were we trying to remember? What characteristic? Brother Lee, kind, nest. Right. And before that, the throne in the nest was God, God's throne in a nest. I mean, I know it's very downgrading for God. I'm just trying to get you a mental picture to remember godliness. Because that's the next thing we add to our perseverance is we have to be, what is godliness? God, just break it down, it's God-likeness. We become like he would be. How, when, when the kids today have this old brace that says WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's a very good, uh, you know, you want to know how to do things? What would Jesus do? We want to be God-like? What would God do in that situation? And we could probably get most of our spiritual answers if we would ask the question. Just ask him. Say, Lord, what would you do? 
How would you handle this situation? I got someone who's a real jerk in my face right now. How do I? You you probably already figured out what you want to do, but how, how would you handle it, Lord? That I could be like you, not not how I could respond, but how would you respond? I want to be like you. We have to follow the Lord. We're imitators of him. The next one is brotherly kindness. And that's one that, boy, the church could use a big dose of that in American Christianity. I'm hearing that that's, um, well, the Bible says in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. It's starting to happen already. People are getting really calloused. But it's interesting, the people that come from the mainland over here to Hawaii, are like, oh, the people here are so kind. and there, There's just that brotherly kindness towards your fellow human being. You know, like they, they let you in to the traffic. You had a stop sign and they just wave you like they stop and let you go. They don't even like squeeze up on the bumper and just like ha ha and let you in. And they would never do that where we're from. They tell me this. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for letting me be in Hawaii for this season. Because at least we get to enjoy that simple act of brotherly kindness that is shown even on our in our driving courtesy. It's a, but it's something that it saddens me to hear that on the mainland, they don't do that. That's not the, that, oh, no, we don't do that. that we'd never get to work if we let our people, others in to the flow of traffic. And I'm like, wow, that we need to grow. Brotherly kindness. And then the last one, the heart, love. That love is the thing that we need most from faith to love. We need all these characteristics, but we need love. Because without love, it says all of these things that, well, What's knowledge without love? Paul wrote it in the Corinthian church. It's this a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Just a, you're a stinking noisemaker. If you think that, yay, I have all this knowledge and I'll tell you how to do it, but you don't have love in your heart, you're not helping anyone. And, th and they're not being helped by you. They can tell. People can tell if you love them or not. I, I, I've had some people that just struggled with so many just life trials and and sometimes as a pastor, you're like, what do I tell them, Lord? This is, they're really um, hurting here. And, and, and you can see that there's some bad choices that they're making. And you're thinking, well, do I tell them, you know, maybe choose a better choice that would help alleviate some of the problem. Or, uh, and if you start to go down that road, they're like, they just get all defensive and they want to fight with you and they're just mad at you. And you're like, but I'm trying to. And the Lord told me one time with one, one of the gals, she was just really going postal. And... I thought, Lord, what do I say? And he goes, just tell him you love him. Sister, it's okay. I love you. It's going to be okay. I, I I love you with the love of the Lord. I didn't know what else to do. And all of a sudden, she went from raging and just everything is bad and the world is bad and I want to quit life to, oh, okay. I guess I can do another day. I thought, oh, no matter how many verses you quote, how much knowledge you had, how much you talk about self-control, if you don't have love, you don't put love on the table. It just it doesn't it doesn't make them want to keep going. Love is that thing that gives us that inner that inner part to our soul. What we need to keep okay. I can hang in there. I can keep going. And we're talking about persevering, right? And godliness and brotherly kindness. That all of these things really don't function well without the last one. Without love, they're all. I mean, yeah, you can be a really persevering person, but you don't have. Have you ever met people that have perseverance with no love? We have names for that, but I don't want to use them in church. But, but I mean, they they can stick to something. They're they got focus, right? And they got that stick to itiveness, and but they don't have love. So, 
we kind of look at them as man you're a grinder and you're you, you're abrasive and you're you're ocd you're annoying but if they had love added into the pot they'd be going people would say what a nice per what a perseverance to stick to it in this that with oh I, I admire that it's funny how adding that little bit of love to that quality makes the quality wonderful so your brotherly kindness has to be with love your godliness has to be with love your your perseverance has to be with love or else it doesn't do anything it really doesn't it doesn't have the oomph that peter's talking about and when you have that kind of faith all added together keep adding all those characteristics keep growing you'll never be blind spiritually speaking you won't be useless you'll be useful to the lord and that's when you find out what your true calling is. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
了。